0: The Canucks are on the road in Florida preparing for a daunting task. It is the Canucks Hour here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. I'm Jamie Dodd. My co-host is Canucks insider Thomas Drance, who also covers the team at The Athletic. And Canucks Hour is brought to you by Avenue Machinery. Being a champion takes foresight. Build your company to win for years to come with fuel-efficient and reliable Kubota skid steers, excavators, and loaders from Avenue Machinery. Visit avenuemachinery.ca. Drancer, the uh, the Canucks down in your old stomping grounds. Oh, it, Getting set to play the Florida Panthers tomorrow.
1: It pains me to not be there. Like, it pains I me. Bet. I mean, there's a lot of old friends, a lot of people I have loved, just absolutely loved to see. Um... I also just love going back. Like it's nice. The weather's beautiful. I could be Slightly on the beach right now. Slightly nicer
0: weather than we're going to ha- have here over the I next could be on the beach days. right now. And yeah.
1: and in and nor- normal times I would be, but you know, my my basic policy is if if all availability happens on Zoom then my benefit of being there is just to watch practice. And while I'm an, an attentive viewer of practice and tweeter of practice lines in normal times, uh, it didn't seem worth, the the juice didn't seem worth the squeeze to do Zoom availabilities when I can just as easily do that from home yes. and be in studio with you here uh, today, Jamie. So, yeah, disappointing for me. Disappointing for me to not be there, especially with the mighty Panthers Riding high and posing a massive test for this Canucks team tomorrow.
0: Yeah, it is, as I said off the top, right? It is really a daunting road trip. You know, you can pull out whatever adjective you want to describe what they have coming up. But starting in Florida tomorrow night, uh, tomorrow afternoon here in Vancouver. And then, of course, Tampa on Thursday. Carolina Saturday. Back to back with Washington on Sunday. Wrapping up Tuesday in Nashville.
1: And let's go with Bruce Boudreaux's formulation today, which was a who's who of the best of the best in the NHL. I love that. I love the repetitive staccato. Well done, Mr. Boudreau. Bruce Boudreau calls this a who's who uh, of the best of the best. And that's dead on. The East is loaded this year. Absolutely loaded. And these teams are without question, some of the most imposing opponents the Canucks will face. And they face them, you know, having played only three games in the last 25, right? Having not played a game on Canadian soil since the 13th of, or sorry, the 14th of December. Um, this is going to be a massive test and, and with a ton of built-in excuses that also cannot color the absolute necessity of evaluating what this team looks like now that the quality of their opponents are going to ratchet up. So, you know, I, I don't envy anybody in that organization trying to have to not only be at their best performance wise, considering all the context surrounding tomorrow's game in Florida, but also evaluate this team fairly yep. coming off of the stretch that they've endured.
0: It's a, it's a really tough trip to kind of wrap your head around. And 650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. The smart alternative, visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Arbutus in Vancouver online at Dunbar 650 dot com, six fifty, six fifty. Get your thoughts in. You nailed that road, in passes, right? by the that's right. way. That's well, right. 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 Uh um, killing it today. But Because here's the thing, you never want to kind of pre-make excuses for a team going into even a really difficult stretch. But you also want to be realistic and acknowledge that... This is an incredibly tough tough test on the schedule and there's all these external factors which make it even more complicated. So, you can you have to kind of try to find that balance of you can't just write the whole thing off and say, "Oh yeah, if they lose all 5 games, who cares because of the, of the tough circumstances." You also can't afford to lose 5 in a row. Exactly. They and don't then, have well, that cushion. And then there's the other thing because they're they're still trying to make the playoffs, right? Yep. They've done enough to at least make it a plausible totally. goal for the end they of the season. They have a chance at a chance. Exactly. So, they're still trying to that to do that But then there's an even other level of beyond trying to make the playoffs for this year, you're also trying to evaluate where this team actually is, just in terms of its talent, in terms of where they have to go, in terms of who should be on the team after the trade deadline and who maybe shouldn't be on the team after the trade deadline right so it's an interesting scenario because obviously for the players and i know you asked Bruce Boudreaux about this after practice today on zoom and he kind of said look we're not we're not concerning ourselves with oh we've had a tough go of it and this is going that's going to make it even harder on this road trip and of course the team is not going to look at it that way they're certainly not going to tell us that they're looking at it that way but the, there is a situation here where from the team's perspective you know They could not get great results on this road trip, and that could really, really cost them and potentially sink their playoff hopes. But when you look at the quality of competition, if the underlying process is actually stronger than we might think, but you don't quite get the results, yeah, that's going to be disappointing for the players, but it also might actually be more encouraging for the future of this team. And again, it's just, there's a lot of different factors to balance going into this, where Almost anything that happens, you're going to be able to kind of spin in in, in a bunch of different directions for this team.
1: If they hold their own in terms of not getting absolutely manhandled in in game after game, right? You can have a bad game or a bad period here or there, but if they hold their own on balance over the course of especially the four games against the, the Eastern Conference teams. Well, yeah. But the, yeah, the Eastern Conference teams, because the Predators are a bit of a different beast. The Predators are the UC Soros show. Um, that's sort of a different animal for me, but if you can hold your own on balance in those four games, uh, you know, I think that means a ton in terms of where this team's at, especially especially coming out of the break that they've had, especially sort of stick-handling through the these obstacles, these pylons in their way. Uh, but, you know... I'd add too. I uh, like. I'll put a record on it. I think if they come back having done any better than one, three, and one, three out of a possible ten, I would say they've done what they needed to do yeah. to to keep the fire of hope burning, like to keep yeah. their playoff hope burning. Um, so you know that's. But again, that's just if they do better than that, boy. Like that's going to be really meaningful for. Those who have looked at what this team has accomplished, and they haven't lost a game since in regulation since what December fifth, yep. December fourth. So it's been a long time since this uh, market experienced a regulation loss. Uh, but you know, if they can keep that going or something like it, if they can go better than five hundred on this trip, I mean, then then we're really going to be cooking with something that sort of changes our expectation. For what the balance of this campaign might look like,
0: better than five hundred would be a tremendous, tremendous result. A huge. I'm, I'm right there. Yeah, kind of four. I mean, if you get, if you break five hundred or like break even, come in at five hundred, get the five points from the five games. Oh, that's you're spectacular. Feeling really, really I good about yourself. I think if you win two of five, that's yeah. spectacular it, in if, my mind. If you inch up to six or seven or something, that's just a phenomenal, phenomenal result. Oh, yeah. And you know, you always have to judge what that looks like in terms of the underlying process for a team but in the in these circumstances even just finding a way to like desperation grind out 6 points on this road trip at that point i almost don't particularly care what the process looks like because <laughs> just, it's just so hard
1: to do you kind of have to tip your hat totally, at that point. 100% so yeah. no i mean and, you know, I, I'm not one to set a low bar, right? Like, I like to... That's the I like, thing. I don't want to do that either going but, into but, it, but... I think you need to. Yeah. I think you need to. And and I think you need to be realistic and clear-eyed about what what is a reasonable expectation for this club coming out of these games. And, and you know, for me, it's th- 3 of 10. You get 3 of 10, I think you at least, ha- you know, having gone through that brutal part of your schedule. And, and granted, you come home and it's like blues... Panthers again um you know oh yeah it's hard the Oilers and the Jets so it's not like it gets easy on the back half but if you are able to just just sort of keep the lights on for those five games I think you position yourself well and and look you know increasingly this team is up against more than just imposing southeastern opponents on the ice right the complexity of what surrounds this team in terms of COVID protocols, in terms of, you know, federal quarantines, in terms of attendance, in terms of being able to host games. I mean, the complication is mounting and as is the complexity of what this organization needs to be navigating. And, and I thought we got a really good taste of that actually today after practice when Brock Besser, who rejoined the club. And skated online with J.T. Miller and Vasily Podkolzin, uh, something that has to sound pretty interesting, right? Yep. I mean, that's got to get your juices flowing if you're a hockey fan. Um, but he spoke with the media afterwards and discussed what happened with his quarantine, and I think it's a fascinating window into what this club is coping with. And let's hear from Brock Besser right now on that topic. Brock, good afternoon. Nice to see you back. Maybe can you just start off with what the last couple of weeks has been like
0: for you, Brock?
2: Yeah, I mean, it wasn't great. <laughs> Uh, obviously quarantined five days in the States and then came back and I think there's a lot of miscommunication on what was agreed on and what actually happened and quarantined another five days and they still wanted us guys to quarantine more. I know the other guys are still stuck until Wednesday, so I feel really bad for them. Um, it's just a really crappy scenario. What was the, you, you sound frustrated.
0: What was the misinformation, Brock? Maybe clear it up for us.
2: Well, I mean, it's, I mean, it's just frustrating because, you know, us guys quarantine like we're supposed to. And then, um you know, we, I think, I'm not sure exactly who talked to the government and told us we got the okay to only quarantine another five days. So that's 10 days total. And now the government made the guys quarantine another time so um that's 15 days total for those guys so i mean it's it's not um i don't think that's really great for them and um uh, you know it's just a really crappy scenario like i said next up is ben kuzma post media
3: uh, hey barack a couple from me uh- Let's start in Anaheim. Uh, What do you do uh, in five days of isolation? I mean, obviously, you're confined to the hotel room. What were you able to do? How did you uh, keep yourself sane and maybe a little bit fit? What were you able to do in in Anaheim in those five days, Brock?
2: I think, uh, you know, just being in so many um, different uh, quarantine situations over the past couple of years, I think you just got to find a routine you like when you wake up you know, kind of what you do. And I feel once you find routines and you just follow that routine, like wake up, breakfast, maybe do a little workout, what you can do in there and, you know, then watch a show or take a nap and then, you know, wait until the boys game at night. Um, and just luckily I, when we I was in there for five days, the boys played three of the night. So that really helped just kind of buy time until the game's on. And then, you know, it's nighttime and bed bedtime at, um, at that point. And you know, obviously, watch a lot of shows. I got an Xbox delivered to the hotel, so played some golf. The Wi-Fi wasn't great, so I couldn't play Fortnite, but uh, I definitely bought some time.
3: You know, Brock, in, in dealing with your agent, uh, he expressed as much frustration as you. I mean, you did your five days. You took the flight to Vancouver. Uh, was it your were you have the mind that listen? There, there is this ten day NHL quarantine. And that's what we're trying to abide by here. And there's the border services. There's another agency that looks after quarantine. And then you have the federal government. Uh, is that what was frustrating for you and probably your agent? You're dealing with different bodies and getting mixed messages?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it was agreed upon almost everyone except the federal government is what I know. And, I mean, it's frustrating. You know, I mean, everyone knows that 15 days is way too long. For someone that's had COVID, especially when you know the quarantine's been reduced to five days for almost everyone, so um, you know it's just really frustrating for sure. And um, you know, like us guys wouldn't have flown back if if we knew that situation was going to happen. We'd all stayed in the states. So, like I said, I feel terrible for the guys that are still locked up.
1: It's it's a fascinating series of comments because as anyone who's dealt with. Immigration and work permits, especially during the course of the pandemic, will tell you it's massively complicated. Like far more complicated now than it used to be, too. Yeah. Um, the Canucks have had some tastes of this. Uh, fans might remember Jimmy Vc taking warm ups in Ottawa, but not playing because his work permit was didn't quite get over the line. People might also remember Vasily Podkolzin living in like six weeks worth of of um, immigration limbo, work permit limbo in Russia this past summer. Um, you know, ultimately going and getting a, a dose of J&J so that he didn't have to quarantine on arrival just to make sure that he was ready to go at the start of camp. Um, the fact is, is that you can have everything set right. And then on crossing the border, right? Uh, the, the, the border guards themselves, the federal enforcement officers who actually oversee that, can take a different, impr- impr- like, have a different interpretation of the rules as they apply to you and mandate things that result in a 15 day quarantine, right? Or a 14 day quarantine for players. So, you know, sounds to me like that's what happened from reading between the lines of Besser's commentary and, and asking around a little bit, although I don't have it completely locked down exactly what occurred. That's what it sounds like occurred. And that just ups the stakes. Like, we're now in a situation where, say, a Canucks player were to enter COVID protocol tomorrow prior to the game. They would, under the existing rules, and assuming that they had the same interpretation on trying to re-enter Canada as Besser and his cohort did, they could technically participate again, rejoin the club for the game in Nashville at the end of the trip, and then be lost to the team for eight subsequent days on their return to Canada, right? It is a situation where... For the Canucks at the moment anyway, COVID-19 has become a bit of a catch-22. And to add to what the club is navigating in terms of the totally different stakes of testing positive for them right now in the United States versus when they're at home, right? A po- possibility of two weeks out of the lineup versus five days or until you test out, right? In terms of navigating that, th- there's an additional layer for this team, which is what do Canucks home games look like, right? And, and we haven't seen one. In an awfully long time, with the game on Saturday being a relatively late postponement. And as I worked that story a little bit more, because it happened qu- quite suddenly right before yes, we very did much our so. show on Friday, as I worked it a little bit more over the weekend, it's important to note that the decision wasn't like do 50% attendance versus not doing the game, I, I do think that the size of the Canucks event, and I, I implied this on the air on Friday, yep. but the size of the Canucks event, 50% of a Canucks game is 10,000 And that is of a different scale than a 50% Abbotsford Canucks game or a 50% Vancouver Warriors game. Uh, you know, I think the team was looking at something closer to a quarter of attendance and no F and B, no food and beverage being served in sort of balancing whether or not to play or not. And, you know, that's a totally different equation from the club's perspective, not just from a generating revenue standpoint, although that's obviously key here, uh, but also from a game experience standpoint. And so you get to this moment where the Canucks are going to Florida and D.C. and North Carolina, where these teams are just dealing with a smidgen of complexity in comparison with what the Canucks are dealing with. And, you know, that's not to say that they don't have their own issues. I know that, you know, Ryan McDonough's day to day with a non COVID illness in Tampa Bay, Ross Colton, Stanley cup winning goal scorer is on the COVID protocol right now. So teams are all navigating this, but not equally. And the scale of complexity that the Canucks in particular are dealing with is absolutely through the roof to the point of creating, you know, almost an unequal playing field, right. in terms of operations, um, you know, I'd probably add uh, that, you know, they are rebuilding their front office, right? The the, the folks who tended to handle the logistical elements, uh, including immigration, uh, for this club are no longer there. And and so it's hard to figure all of this out and, and make it all work. And, you know, that's another thing that the club is going to be contending with, not just through the next five days, but through the next few months, um, probably in a situation that's... You know, more complicated than just about any team in the league, but but shared among the seven Canadian teams, and you know that's it. It is going to be a factor. Like it is going to be a factor in this playoff. Race.
0: Well, and to, just to tie those two stories together, I think the thing that kind of unites them. There's a couple things. One is you just heard the evident frustration from Brock Besser in that interview, right? And that's kind of what got the questioners to seize on that story. Was you know Brock. It plays it pretty close to the vest, I would say, generally, when he's doing those media availabilities. And for him, that was a lot of emotion. That was him letting his frustration kind of come out You know, when he started being asked about it. And, of course, it would be an incredibly frustrating situation for a player to be in. And we have people texting in saying, oh, poor baby, I'd I'd gladly self-isolate for $5 million a year. And no one's asking you to have a pity party for Brock Besser. But when you're trying to help your team win, when you're trying to do your job, you're told one thing. And there's a miscommunication and then something else has to happen. Yeah, of course that would be frustrating. And again, when you're going, you know, when you're on the precipice of this really challenging, but also you know this, Drancer, when when players are faced with a challenge, for the top guys in the NHL, that's also exciting, right? So they're not looking at this road trip shaking in their boots. They're looking at it saying, We know it's gonna be challenging, but that's exciting because it gives us a chance to prove ourselves. To be right on the cusp of doing that, but then also have to deal with all this uncertainty and frustration. Yeah, that would be that's much less than ideal. And then the other thing that stood out to me in your reporting on the cancellation of Saturday's game and then also in Brock Besser's experience is just how quickly things change, right? right. The, the day to day, hour to hour uncertainty. If you think things are gonna be one way, like we all thought that whole week they're gonna play the Senators on Saturday. Everything we heard, Bill Daly said on Thursday, yep, that game's gonna happen. Everything we heard suggested they were gonna play. Friday, nope. Same thing with Brock Besser, right? Okay, here's how it's going to go. You're going to get back into the country. This is going to be your quarantine period. Oh, no, actually, it's changing. Again, it's not about, you know, pitying these guys or feeling sorry for them. It's about acknowledging the reality that those are really challenging circumstances.
1: Yeah, and, and understanding, too, if you, you know, we're so used to experiencing hockey based on what we see in the broadcast window, right? Like, you see the game, and that is your lens into... Uh, For for most people, the lens in which you view the hockey team or the prism through which everything sort of is filtered, but every aspect of what this team is doing has evolved in a fundamental way as a result of what's transpired globally over the last four weeks. And, you know, another example uh, that impacts this team right now is uh, scouting meetings, for example. Scouting meetings were scheduled to take place in Florida uh, this week, right? Which is... The Florida sunshine, right? Get get the group together for, uh, you know, bonding and work. Uh, th- this is something the Canucks have typically done. Like the Florida road trip yep. tends to be a, a, a January event for this team and, and often is when they hold, hold scouting meetings. It certainly was in the 2019-20 season, the last like fully normal uh, campaign or the last time the Canucks were in Florida, I suppose. Um, this year... That that's been postponed. Those scouting meetings have been postponed. That's a Omicron related change, and you know I'm not even sure if they'll be in person at all. It might be teleconference. Um, you know I, I suspect it will be based on what we know about how incoming Canucks management, um, you know, sort of handles this virus and, and deals with it quite seriously, quite conscientiously. So uh, you know it's a every every aspect of this club's business is has done a 360. Over the course of the past three, four weeks. And, you know, I don't know where we go from here. Um, the, but The general manager search has been impacted. Totally. Right? Yeah. But at least, at least, uh, you know, at least we can f- proceed with some confidence knowing that the Canucks are going to play the next five. But what comes next? Right. Yeah. And And that's something you have to keep in the back of your mind. Like as the Canucks return to your television screen, is just how complex what this team is wading through is. And, and we're inching closer to a big three-week gap on the schedule, which hasn't started to be filled in yet, right? We don't right. know what that's going to look like. Well, yet. And then we'll be filled in, and we'll be filled in In a more voluminous, voluminous way for a Canucks team that has seven games, has had seven games postponed while their California team rivals, the California teams they're chasing are at three, three and four respectively. Right. I mean, that's also going to be a disadvantage down the stretch here. And that's, you know, another thing where it's pretty difficult to create a system where the playing field is level. Uh, th- through the pandemic unfortunately
0: producer Justin Moore sat here running the show for us today jmo uh, I just wanted to say like you know uh, how many times did we hear from people listeners last week whether it was for the the Wednesday game? Uh, or on Friday when the Saturday game got postponed, talking about how uh, they you know, were disappointed by having something to look forward to throughout the week hockey to watch. And then like uh, Lucy with the football, Charlie Brown going to kick, <laughs> kick it, it gets pulled away at the last minute. If that's how the fans are feeling, uh, you think of how the players yeah, are feeling. Yeah, yeah it's...
1: Yeah. I mean, but you can... the players, players want to play. They want whatever has to happen for them to play. That's what they want yeah, to have to happen. The and, frustration is dripping off of them every time they speak, yeah. right? And, and, you know, Bo Horvat had some really good commentary, I thought, the other day, where he was talking about the risk of testing positive and all the things you have to be aware of outside the ice. And having been NHL support staff, something I'm going to bring up a bunch over the next two days because the Canucks are playing the Florida Panthers. Do you know I worked for them? Um, when you're NHL support staff, the standard you hold yourself to, right... Is you never you want to create an environment where there's never an excuse for performance, right? Where and and that's something that equipment trainers do and medical trainers like you never want it never wants to be a distraction or something that you know anyone could comment on. And right now there's no way of creating that environment within the organization. Like there's just no way, and that's uh, that's unfortunate because you do want to be able to compete as a pro athlete in a, in a world where you can be. 100% focused on the task at hand. Yeah.
0: And that obviously just not not realistically possible for these guys right now. Uh, we will continue the Canucks conversation on the other side. Plus, we will uh, take a trip down to Florida via the phone line. My absolute favorite. There you go. Person Chat with, have uh, with in one, this one of industry. your contacts from the Florida Panthers. He's uh, the color analyst a for beauty. Florida on TV. Randy Moeller will join us to. Do a little bit of a deep dive into what makes these Panthers tick. That's coming up next. It's the Canucks Hour on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Welcome back. It is the Canucks Hour on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Canucks Hour brought to you by Avenue Machinery. Being a champion takes foresight. Build your company to win for years to come with fuel-efficient and reliable Kubota skid steers, excavators, and loaders. From Avenue Machinery, avenuemachinery.ca, Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drance here with you. The drought is almost over. Almost over, Drancer. The Canucks hockey drought. Tomorrow, knock on wood, whatever you know, superstitious thing you need to do to make sure that I'm not jinxing it, but... I feel very good about the proposition that the Canucks will be back on the ice for a real live NHL game tomorrow against the Florida Panthers. Not a moment too soon. Yeah. Wipe the sweat off your brow. Canucks hockey is
1: returning at last.
0: Thank goodness. Thank goodness. And we will uh, connect in just a few minutes here, a few moments with Randy Moeller, former NHL defenseman, longtime Florida Panthers analyst as well to dig into what is behind the fantastic, fantastic campaign that the Florida Panthers have been enjoying recently? Lots of great texts coming in. Uh, we were talking about what the Canucks need to do on this road trip to kind of, well, t- to accomplish a couple of things. One, tell us a little bit more about what this team is. Two, hang tough in the playoff race. Unsigned text comes in. I'd feel bad for these Canucks, but they made their own bed in the first 30 games. Boo friggin' who? I mean, it's not wrong. They did make their own bad to a certain degree in the first 25 games i mean it doesn't change the fact that you're still trying to learn, you know gain information about this team and you have to give them credit for, as you said, giving themselves a chance at a chance down the stretch here. They've certainly turned their fortunes around. But, yeah, I mean, they certainly did dig a hole. I, I, I understand that attitude to a certain degree. Maybe I wouldn't be quite so caustic about it as the inside texter. <laughs> I incident. would be. I would be. Yes, you so would be, obviously. I appreciate the tone of that text. That's, you would be. That, that's right up my heart. That might have been from your burner now that I, uh, <laughs> yeah. now that I think about it. Uh, that's a, a classic level more.
1: of Thomas Strands negativity, texting into my own show. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> When there's not enough negative texts in the inbox, you just gotta <laughs> seed some of them in there yourself. Like, Man, pe- people are just too positive about the team these days. <laughs> this person has only mean things to say about me, <laughs> Jamie. <laughs> uh, uh, we had another uh,
0: text come in. Ray from Courtney says, "If Brock and PD come back and PD is playing like PD, eight points." is Ray's goal. I mean, eight points would just be a phenomenal, phenomenal result. Like there's,
1: there's no, if you go through and win four against that's Tampa, incredible, Carolina, incredible. the Panthers and Washington, um, you know, let let's let's book the ring fitting. Yeah, <laughs> I, I will say
0: Ray's point about if PD is playing like PD, that that to me is a really good point, and it's, it's obvious we've all been waiting for it. But you know, you posted the lines uh, on your Twitter from Canucks practice down in Florida today, and. Just to run through them quickly before we get Randy Moeller on here, it was uh, Vasily Podkolzin with Miller and Besser, Pearson, Pedersen, Hoaglander, Dickinson, Horvat, Garland, Highmore, Lamico, and Mott. And, you know, people look at that top nine in particular, and you've got a guy like Horvat and Garland on, on what's lining up as your third line, and people are pretty exciting. But to kind of justify that hype for that top nine group of forwards eventually we need to see the real Elias Patterson, right? Because with the real Elias Patterson, then yes, that is a genuinely exciting top nine. Speaking
1: of genuinely exciting, the the, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Randy Muller. Randy, thanks for, joining, thanks for joining the show. Hi. How are you? Hi, great, great to be on. How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. I'm, I miss you, though. I must say, I miss you an extraordinary amount, and I'm so sad that I won't get to see you this week. Um, but... But we're excited to have you on. Let, let's start. Let's start with the the big burning question that fans in Vancouver want to hear: How's Olio Levy doing? <laughs> uh, well, you know what? It, it was kind of tough
4: on him because when he first was acquired, uh, you know, it, it, he got he got injured, and then he came back and practice, um, and then he went down. If, if my memory is correct. I can't, I can't remember what I had for breakfast. This morning, but, <laughs> uh, but then he went down to Charlotte, American hockey. League, And I believe he got injured down there. And in the, in the first game, he had to come back, do some more rehab. So it's been kind of, it's been kind of a process. Um, he did play in Dallas though, uh, a few games, a couple two games ago when the Panthers played in Dallas on what was that Thursday, last Thursday. And I thought he played pretty well. I mean, For for a guy that hasn't played much Mm -hmm. much hockey over the last little while, and even going back last year, um, that's tough. But he's been practicing. He's been uh, uh, you know being with the team and practicing and the extra work, and especially when he hasn't been in the lineup and with the extra skaters and that. So uh, yeah, he he's got the talent. You can tell he's got the talent. But the Panthers are pretty deep and on defense, (laughs) and and they really like uh, Carlson. The defenseman, he's played extremely well. So it's it's tough to get uh, full-time duty, and I think that's the position that he's in right now.
1: Yeah, and, and I mean, you call the Florida Panthers deep. I've been using terms like meat grinder, the Panthers' meat grinder up here, uh, because they're just demolishing opponents. And, and what's so impressive to me, Randy, is that it seems like even though Bobrovsky— over the course of the past month, maybe hasn't been quite as sterling as he was in the first two months of the season. Like it almost doesn't matter for this team. They just put up six or five if they need to and, and kind of win. What's what, I mean, how does this Panthers team compare to what you've seen in the past? Um, how have they gotten here aside from, you know, significantly upgrading their PR department? I, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
4: the, 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 the long winded answer is, the, the, uh, no, actually, I'll do the, the short version that <laughs> because the long-winded, is uh, your fans don't want to hear it, uh, is the, the pace that they play. It, mm. it's, it's phenomenal. They just, they just are relentless with the speed. And I, I tell people, and I've said it on our broadcast as well, we're, the Panthers are going to give up odd man rushes. We average at least one, giving up one breakaway, sometimes two breakaways a game. Because that's the way that this team is built with the five-man attack. As soon as there's puck possession, and and in a nanosecond of the transition, all five players are activated, uh, five skaters, and they are going. And the speed that the Panthers have, and I, uh, you know, and the, and the tempo and the pace that they play, a lot of teams have had some difficulty and the true test was on Saturday night Mm -hmm. when I was going back even a couple of years, I've I've been telling people that the Carolina hurricanes are the fastest skating team uh, in the league. And, and the Panthers for the most part had them pinned in their own zone on Saturday night. And uh, they won the speed department in in that game as well. So that was a real measuring stick for me. And I think that the team as well, but that's kind of the short answer is, is Yeah. And when you're relentless with the puck and the pressure that you put on and the transition, the Panthers lead the NHL in scoring chances off the rush. So Mm. if you're going to lead in that department, then obviously you're going to create those scoring chances. The Panthers are either first or second in average shots per game. So you add all that up together, and, and that's kind of the reason why the Panthers are averaging five, six goals a game. Randy, what
0: kind of expectations does the team have for itself as we start to look ahead to you know the end of the season and going into the playoffs? Because you know they've kind of taken this step from you know a very very good NHL team to clearly one of the elite top teams in the league this regular season. But we also know there's you know the history of, of some frustrating playoff appearances for the franchise. How do you think this team sees itself looking ahead to that those playoffs?
4: Well, the way that I can answer that question is go back to last year and that hard fought uh playoff series in the first round with the Tampa Bay Lightning who won back-to-back Stanley Cups they they came out of that obviously disappointed they lost that series but you talk to a man on the the players and they really learned and they uh, matured and know what it takes now to win and We've seen it with so many teams, the Washington Capitals. We saw it with Pittsburgh before they won their first uh, Stanley Cup in the uh, Sydney Crosby era that, hey, you got to take some bumps and, and to, uh, to uh, experience maybe some disappointment to know what it actually takes to win consistently in the NHL and when it counts in the playoffs. And I think even though it was disappointing that they, that they lost to Tampa Bay I think they came away with, you know what, this is really going to help us down the road. And they came into this season and they just continued the way that they played in the playoffs with the aggressive, the aggressiveness and the skating and the speed and the tempo and, and, and that. And they, the, the, the pieces that Bill Zito has added to this team over the mm-hmm. last couple of years has just been phenomenal. Just I mean, Carter Verhagey. I mean, they pick up Gus For- Forsling, um, <laughs> yeah. who is legitimate top four uh, uh, defenseman on any team in the NHL. They pick him up on waivers from the Carolina Hurricanes. These are the moves that are, have that are really elevated and, and given this team the depth. They went into Carolina the other night, and and well, even, even in Dallas uh, on Thursday, where they're missing Bennett because of the suspension. They're mm-hmm. missing Reinhardt, COVID, uh, uh, Marchman, Mason Marchman. And, and then they, they didn't even have Hornquist available because of COVID uh, protocols in Carolina, missing four regulars, and it doesn't seem like it even matters to them anymore. They, they, players have been in and out, like every team. Every team has gone through this and that, but it just doesn't seem like it affects the Panthers the way that it, it has affected uh, other teams that have lost players due to covid
1: yeah, I, I want to talk about some of the players that they were able to add, especially prior to the twenty twenty one season, right? That that off season of of twenty twenty coming out of the bubble experience for for everyone in the NHL, and it it feels to me, Randy, like in a lot of ways the Panthers almost you know, and it it sucks to put it this way because so many uh, people have had such harrowing experiences, but they sort of were able to come out of the pandemic stronger relative to their opponents, right? They it, yeah. it felt like it felt like, you know, up in Vancouver anyway, it felt like the club all of a sudden wasn't spending and wasn't bringing in depth pieces. And the Panthers meanwhile took a bunch of shots on Lomberg and Verhage and Duclair and you know, some of them didn't work, right? Vinny Hinestroza, Kevin Connaughton, like for every for every Gus Forsling you mine, you also took a shot on a guy like Noah Julson now in the Canucks organization who didn't quite pan out. What 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 do you think has been the key to how the Panthers have been able to position themselves relative to the league through this sort of period of, of upheaval. I
4: I think it started Thomas. I I think it started when, when Bill Zito came in and Mm -hmm. they knew, and I know it's a cliche and it's been used. We hear about it every day in sports, but they, they really had to, and were very successful changing the culture in that locker room. And, and uh, from, Hey, just happy to be here to know we expect to win every night we have the talent and the maturity of players like alexander Barkov, and then the next player i'm gonna i'm gonna mention jonathan huberdo my mm-hmm. goodness we all know and, and thomas when you were down here you knew that he was a great good player one of you know a, a top echelon player yeah he is now just been dominant just absolutely dominant and uh when he gets the puck, he doesn't give it up, and he is so motivated to drive this team offensively. And uh, the Panthers are—there's no doubt—they are a puck possession team. They don't like giving the puck away and just chip it and and uh, and hope for the best. They have the confidence now to to circle back, and and they know that once they they come come well, up the ice together, that they're they're going to be they're going to be dangerous, and they're going to have success. It's just a mindset and. The way that they go about their business and and I've even noticed even though that we've gone through the pandemic and, and uh, we're kind of watched kind of from afar as far as practices and not being really around the team and in the locker room and that you can just tell there's a different attitude on this team and mm. and, the, and, and the way that they believe in themselves and and, uh, and I've been around this team now for what 27 years I have never seen a team that gets along uh they there's no clicks there's no uh you know uh divisions in that locker room that i know of and they and the players talk about they love playing for each other and playing with each other and uh you know you add that up and when you've got happy hockey players and and uh, talented hockey players uh you can do a lot of damage
1: the thing I love so much about Panthers about watching the Panthers right now Randy and you know aside from tuning into you and Goldie just crushing it on the broadcast is you know it's not just that they have more skill than most of their opponents it's not just that they can outscore any problems that they run into but it's also that you know, with Lomberg and Gudis and Marchment, when he's in the lineup, right? They they also look to me and profile to me like a team that you know, unless Tom Wilson's involved in the series, there's no one who's going to be tougher, right, up and down the lineup come playoff time. What 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 has been the key there? Do you think?
4: Yeah, I, I think that's I think so, that's that's part of the identity. Mm. Um, it, it's amazing in uh, in this high-salaried world that we live in as far as pro athletes, that you get a group of players that, that come in, and you mentioned some of those, the, the, the Hornquist and the Lombergs and the Marchments and Gutis, uh, for example, that accept the roles that are presented to them. And then it's up to the team and the coaching staff to allow them to succeed in those roles, put them in a position to succeed in those roles to help the team's cause and knock on wood that is uh i think that's one of the main reasons is they have uh the players in the right place um how many times and thomas you've even mentioned it you know i read you almost every day where you talk about certain players that are just you know they're put into a wrong position they shouldn't be (laughs) on this line or maybe they're just outmatched or whatever Uh, the panthers have been fortunate that that uh the players that they they put into certain positions uh are able to succeed and given the opportunity to succeed and and that team identity is uh is and they're very 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 proud of of the way that they can they can play any style you want the physicality the speed they can lock it down defensively when needed uh protect leads the panthers are what fifteen and oh when they have a lead going in the third period so uh yeah, it's been it's been real fun to watch, fun to broadcast these games because the excitement there's the Panthers have not played one dull game all season long. And even when they lost at home to Ottawa 8 to 2. They mm. lost to Ottawa 8 to 2. Even that game the scoring chances were like 45 to 40. And uh and that just makes it for for an exciting brand of hockey and I know the fans down here are really enjoying the way this team plays and, and they're just hoping that they can continue uh, with that success and that brand of hockey and that because that, that's what I think that's the way the game is going now um, the, the the speed and especially the involvement and the activation of the defense yeah that uh, are in every rush and in on the play you see some of the some of the best uh, young defensemen they they're they're so talented and, and they can have such an impact on the team's success, that uh, that's the way the game is going. I like to say, I used to be called a stay-at-home defenseman, but uh, now all stay-at-home defensemen, they just tell them to just stay at home.
0: (laughs) (laughs) A few more minutes of Randy Moeller, former NHL defenseman, as you heard, and a Florida Panthers analyst as well. And I wanted to ask you, Randy, specifically about Aaron Eckblad. And, you know, he's still a young player, right? He was only taken in the 2014 draft. But it's been interesting because since he's come into the league, there's been this wave of... Kale McCarr, Adam Fox, Quinn Hughes in Vancouver of even younger defensemen who have, you know, captured so many of the headlines, so much of the attention around the league. But I look at what Aaron Eckblad is doing statistically this year. He's having a phenomenal season. Then you add in the fact that he's coming off a really serious injury that ended his season last year. What is what is leading to this incredible performance so far this year from Aaron, from Aaron Eckblad?
4: Well, what I've been impressed about is is not only is he in on pretty well every rush. Him and Mackenzie Weegar have been our number one defense pair, uh, but they're also the number one shutdown pair as well. They play against all the top lines as well, and and uh, and he's been able to jug- juggle those assignments. What I've been impressed about with with Aaron Eckblad is not only he's kept his offensive numbers up. Um, he's one of the leaders in the NHL in defenseman shots. He, he leads uh, the Panthers in shots, uh, and that, but how proud he is uh, uh, and 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 that of his defensive play and when you're logging almost 30 minutes a night him and Uyghur, and having the responsibility to be kind of the start of the offense coming out of the defensive zone yet and put up those points and yet be such a, a good plus minus player playing against the other top team's I think if you asked Aaron Eckblad, he's more proud of the, the defensive uh, success that he has had this year than, than the offensive uh, success. He's become a real rounded player. Um, I think he, he, he realizes that he can't be just all offense or all defense. He's got, he's got to have a, a real uh, happy medium and a balancing act in order to be successful, shift, shift, shift in and shift out. And, and, uh, him and Uyghur, they're like two peas in the pod, and they and they know each other, and and they they, they hang out together off the ice and that, and it's uh it's it's what a team needs. You you can't you see any uh any championship teams guys without uh without a number one defensive pair that that uh, is pulling the rope both offensively and defensively, and that's Aaron Eckblatt has done that. What a leader he is too. I mean, he is he is so dedicated and and committed to winning that's all these guys talk about now you talk to jonathan huberdo um about some of the the accolades and and you know fourth and overall and, and nhl uh points race and that he doesn't want to talk about it all he wants to talk about is winning and getting in the playoffs and going deep in the playoffs that's all that they're committed for so uh hats off to him because the the individual accolades whatever means nothing to these guys
1: Moeller, thanks for doing this, man. I uh, regret missing you this time around. Are you going to come up to Vancouver a couple weeks from now, or are you guys going remote no, these
4: days? N- no, we're no. I, it looks like right now that we're Goldie and I will just call the games out of the out of the studio. Yeah, it, you know, you take a chance. Uh, uh, it breaks my heart because you know I'm from Western Canada of and course. got relatives all over the place and and that, but it just you just can't take a chance and 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 unfortunately we'll have to do the games in that but uh next year yeah and uh we miss we'll miss having you guys down as, as well because uh we're looking forward to that game tomorrow against the Canucks well and, and give us game.
1: and give us your best syllogism on the year so far uh, for those listeners who don't know Randy has like the absolute best sayings um in hockey what's been your best call on the air what's been your best syllogism
4: oh god I, we've had a we've had a we've had a a, a few uh, the last the last few games, um, I, I I I said uh, for the love of Yeehaw Junction after the Dallas <laughs> Stars had scored a goal in the game the other night. For those of you don't know, Yeehaw Junction, Yeehaw Junction is a halfway between South Florida and Orlando, and, and 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 all you do is is go to the bathroom and get gas. There's nothing else there. So. I'll leave I'll leave you guys with that one. I'll leave, I'll leave you I'll leave you with that one.
0: Beautiful. Thanks, Randy. Thanks, Andrew. Appreciate all right, it. Talk to you later. That is Randy Moeller, uh, former NHL defenseman and Florida Panthers color analyst, and as you said, Drantz, one of the uh, the most innovative, creative callers of the action in the game yeah. in the NHL, just sharing his thoughts on what has been a really impressive season for the Florida Panthers so far this year. There's really just, there's there's no way around it. When you look at their resume, what they've accomplished, where they sit in the NHL standings, the underlying numbers, all of that, the individual performances, they have solidified themselves as one of the class teams in the NHL this year. And really, you have to look at them as legitimate Stanley Cup contenders, despite that recent history of, you know, frustrating performances in the playoffs. Well,
1: and look, you know, I want to quickly touch on his comments from Aaron Ekblad before we we sign off, which is Ekblad's evolution into a leader. Um, you know, I worked with Aaron when he was 21, 22, and 23, and... I know for sure that he's a different guy now. And and I, I remember I heard a story right before the bubble where the players had all come back to uh, compete prior to the bubble and there was a, a teammate who was mentioning a golf outing and Eck reminded them, in fact, that going into the bubble, it was crucial if the Panthers were going to win a playoff series that, um, you know, in fact, he takes zero risks away from the ice sheet because that was the obligation that they had to the league and to winning in the playoffs. Um, that's a very different type of leader than Aaron was when I worked with him and even then you could see that coming but guys are very different at the age of 25-26 like Ekblad is now than they are when they're young men and there's significant ramifications or or things you can extrapolate from that as you look to this Canucks young core.
0: We will be back tomorrow to continue to set up not just the game against Florida but the entire Canucks road trip. That's right the Canucks will play a game tomorrow as things currently stand. We'll be back. uh, Back to the 11 a.m. time slot actually just for a day tomorrow as the early uh game time for the Canucks kind of shifts things around here so we'll be back at 11 it is the Canucks hour on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650